Hi, uh, this is Richard Kerr from the Believe Me Help Method. Today we've got an audio interview with Catherine Hansen, who is the author of Brain Over Binge. Uh, Catherine wrote the book Brain Over Binge uh, about two or three years ago and put it on Amazon and just via word and mouth alone and fantastic reviews, the book has grown to be a number one bestseller in the Amazon eating disorder category. So that is an impressive and amazing feat. So well done, Catherine. She's on the call today and she shares with us sort of her unique insight into recovery. And to be honest, it's actually very similar to the approach we take in the Blame Me Help method. So if you're on our program, you will find Catherine's insights really, really helpful and it really ties in really well. So that's why I want to get her on call today and that's why I want to speak to her because I knew if you're interested in what we do, you'll love what she does as well. We both tie in together really well. Uh, the interview is about 40 minutes long and I guarantee you'll get some great insights and great value from it. So it's definitely worth a listen to. Okay, so let's get started, shall we? So Catherine, uh, a good place to start is the beginning. Um, can you tell us um, when your eating disorder began and and uh, how it all started for you? Sure. Um, it started when I was about 15 years old. I was going about to be a junior in high school and I sort of fell into dieting inadvertently. I, I had a tonsillectomy and I got my tonsils out and I couldn't eat normally for a little while and I, I lost some weight. And this was a time when a lot of my friends were dieting, girls my age were becoming more concerned about their weight. And I lost some weight from this tonsillectomy and it just kind of continued. I just decided not really to, to eat normally again because I was happy with the weight loss and it just kept going. I didn't want to gain it back and I wanted to lose more. So I slowly started cutting back on my food intake. And as I did that, my appetite seemed to increase more and more. And this went on for a couple of years. And then when I turned, I was 17 years old, I was a senior in high school, I, I binged for the first time. Sort of, it was just one morning of my senior year in high school, I woke up and basically frantically ate eight bowls of cereal. It was a very frightening experience. I've never experienced anything like that before. I'd spent so much time trying to control my appetite and all of a sudden it felt like it completely took me over. And um, that, the act of binge eating really con increased gradually. It started, you know, once every couple weeks and, and then until it became a, a life-consuming habit. And it continued for six more years after that. Um, and did you purge after your first binge or did that come later? Um, I didn't, I did not self-induce vomiting. I there was before school that I binged the first time and I went to school that day um, and I came home and I, I ran a long way. I believe it was about six miles and I didn't eat really anything else much the rest of the day. And so, in, in a, yeah, in effect, it, it was a purge. It just wasn't self-induced vomiting. Yeah, excessive exercise. And so yeah. what what was going through your mind at this time when you experienced your first binge? Because you, you mentioned there initially that you, you started with a diet. But did you relate the two together as cause and effect? Did you realize that the diet was a cause in these binge urges, or did you think it was something else unrelated? Um, I think I knew. I mean, I definitely could tell that the more I dieted, the more I wanted to eat. And I thought in my mind, okay, I just need to have more control. I need to have more control. But eventually it just it took control of me, and I could, I could sense that. But it didn't really make me want to stop dieting I, I felt like I could still control it somehow yes the, the, the belief that you know it's it's you that's wrong and, and not the diet which is such a common misbelief and 95% mm -hmm. um, of diets fail and they obviously do not work 
and yeah. um, obviously caused dramatic binge urges. But for some reason, most people think, oh, it must be me when it's, it's absolutely not. It is the diet. Diets don't work. They cause all these dramatic side effects such as binge urges. Um, so how long were you uh, binging and purging um, for before you decided to seek help, seek help or to uh, take the next step? Well, it started in, in March of, of my senior year of high school. And then I started therapy when I entered college the next year. I started okay. therapy around September of, of my first year of college. So how, how many years and, has that been? Um, For people that aren't? A year and a half. Year and a half. <laughs> no, but... <laughs> that's math. Um, yeah, it's about, you know, about a year. Okay. And so, so you went to therapy, and uh, what was your experience with that? How did that go? Um, you know, it just it really wasn't successful to me. I mean, I want to start by saying that, that therapy does help a lot of people, and I'm not trying to take away what works for other people, but I just want to explain why it didn't work for me, because there's a lot of people out there who therapy doesn't work for, and there really needs to be an alternative for those people who are not healed by traditional treatments. Um, because current treatments really don't come close to healing everybody. So um, for me, I think therapy failed because of a lot of un unproven and, in my mind, incorrect assumptions that are made about the nature of bulimia and recovery. Yeah. So the view, the view today of bulimia is, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, so um, I, I understand you're saying that you're not happy with, with your with your views of the therapy, but initially in your first experiences, I mean, didn't, were you going for a number of months or a number of years before you, how long did it take before you realized that it wasn't working for you? Well, I, I always tried hard in therapy. I mean, I always hoped that it would work. I always thought maybe on some level it was working, but then in the back of my mind, I had a lot of doubts about, in therapy, I tried to, they really viewed my, my disorder as how the mainstream view of bulimia today is that it's really not about food and that it's a symptom of underlying emotional problems and a symptom of depression and anxiety. And so I worked on all these things. I worked on my getting in touch with my feelings and coping with emotions and uncovering pain in my past and things like that, that to me, it felt a little bit confusing. Like, why am I doing all this stuff when I believe my, my real problem is, is binging and purging? So in effect, I kind of always knew there was something not quite resonating with me in therapy, but I still tried hard and hoped that, that it would eventually result in a decrease in binge eating, but it didn't. So, so obviously you're frustrated with therapy and I can really empathize with this because many, many people who come to the Bleeding Help Method too um, have been on therapy for maybe even 5, 10, 15 years and it just isn't working, it's not delivering and it's exactly for the reason you've specified mm -hmm. there. It's, it's not addressing the core issue of food. And for me, I think yeah. it's shocking that so often online and throughout the web you'll hear people saying it's not about food, it's not about food. And you know, it is called an eating disorder for a reason. Um, it has a yeah. lot to do with food. An awful lot. And I actually mm -hmm. believe that one of the core reasons why people fail at recovery for so long is because they're not addressing that core issue of food. And um, that was one of the reasons really I wanted to, to get to speak to you today is because I know you've had first-hand experience with, with this issue of not addressing food. And, and then, you know, obviously it wasn't helping with your recovery. Um, so this is very interesting. So so when did you realize then that therapy wasn't working and what did you decide to do then next to, uh, you know, what was your next thoughts, your next steps you wanted to take? Because therapy wasn't working for you and, you know, where did that leave you? Well, after college, I, after I moved back home, 
I started seeing a, a psychiatrist there and I was put on a, a medication and this medication seemed to just suppress my binge urges. And it was a very unsettling experience to me because all my other problems were still there. All the problems I had tried to work out in therapy, I was still had a tendency toward depression. I was still having anxiety and, and all these other problems that I tried to solve in therapy thinking they would make my urges go away. And all of a sudden the, the medication, it didn't completely get rid of my urges, but it definitely decreased them a lot. Yeah. And that experience just led me to believe, wait, why was I working on all these problems this whole time when I can still have these problems but not have urges to binge? So that really made me realize that the urges were the problem. And that's when I sort of said, okay, I'm not going to go back to therapy. I'm going to pursue, try to find something else. Okay. And so what was your next step then? You wanted to find something else? Uh, yeah. So the medication, it, it was very short-lived, this experience. The side effects were not good and... It just, I would not recommend this medication to anyone. Side effects weren't good. And I, I, I wanted to, and it, the urges eventually came back. So I was like, well, if there's some way I could do this on my own to get rid of my urges, then I could do it. And I, I talk a lot about in my book. I stumbled across um, a book called Rational Recovery by Jack Trimpey that really resonated with me and made me realize that I had control of my behavior and there was a way I could take control of my of my urges and my own behavior. And that's, that's so fascinating, the fact that you you were able to then really lock down that it was the urge to binge was the issue. And we mentioned mm -hmm. that as well throughout the program that, um, I mean, you could spend your whole life in therapy and you could yes. resolve every single underlying issue, um, which is, would be great and, you know, fantastic for your well-being. But if you're still not addressing the issue of food restriction and that leading to binge urges, you will always mm -hmm. have bulimia. Or another way of looking at it, we say, is that if the healthiest, happiest person on the planet, you know, is fully confident and fully happy and life's great. But if th that person went on a diet, that person would also be um, susceptible to binge urges and therefore bulimia. And yes. so, you know, the, the two don't necessarily correlate. Um, your emotional well-being doesn't necessarily have to do anything with your urge to binge on food. And you mm -hmm. were able to address that and identify that by taking uh, a drug, which then showed you that, look, I still have all the exact same side effects or sorry, exact same issues um, mm -hmm. that I was dealing with in therapy, but the binge urge is gone, so the, the two necessarily aren't exactly related. Yeah. Um, that's fascinating. So, so you read at that point, book. I yep, sorry. sorry. At that point, I still didn't know how to resist them. So even though I had that information, knew they were the problem, I still didn't know exactly what you know, to do about that problem. They still kind of overtook me and made me feel out of control. And so, um, and that's that's a very common issue. People kind of figure out what, what what's causing the problem but then they don't know what to do next how to resolve it um which is ultimately mm -hmm. the, the the one million dollar question is what we want to answer is how what do i need to do next and what do i need to do to recover um so you said there mm -hmm. you, you found this a book by an author um so you yes it's, yeah. it's rational recovery by jack trimpey and it's really for addictions mostly alcohol drug addiction but i felt like my behavior was an addiction by the time i found that book i felt like it was something that I was definitely addicted to, and so that's why I was interested. And, and the book just really hit home to me and helped me. And really, a lot of my book draws from from that book's ideas, and then my own insights as well. So, what was the core message that really um, resonated with you? Really, the most important thing was that there was nothing wrong with me. Like that, I was not, I wasn't diseased. I wasn't psychologically, emotionally unwell. I I just simply had become a victim of my own brain, and not. Not that something was wrong with my brain. My brain was perfectly healthy. So 
the whole time. I was, my brain was doing its job through all the years I was bulimic. And it, it sort of helped me dismiss the belief that I, that I binged to cope, that I binged because of deep reasons. And it really helped me understand how my brain worked to drive my own behavior. And this is what I think is fascinating because um, I absolutely loved your book, but the, the level of depth of uh, research you went into how the brain works and um, you know the, the effects of food restriction on the brain is just phenomenal. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about that? I mean, what did you learn uh, specifically about the different parts of your brain and how that related to the binge urges? Sure. Um, how it worked in my brain, it was actually pretty simple. There wasn't, you know, even though my book is on the brain, there's not a lot of complex neuroscience involved. Um, it's in its simplest form, my brain drove the binge eating by sending out the urges to binge, which were all the thoughts, all the feelings, all the cravings that led me to binge each time. And I mean, if I never had urges, I never would have binged. It was, that was sort of the simple idea that eluded me in therapy while I was focusing on all these symptoms. And the really, the important thing, um, I learned about the brain was that the urges were generated in the more primitive regions of my brain, what I call the lower brain in my book. And these are the regions responsible for really our survival and our automatic behavior. And dieting made those urges appear. It's it's just a basic, it's an adaptive response to dieting. These are our survival instincts. And when I say survival instincts, it, it's that what you talk about in your program is the the primal hunger, and that's that's what I'm talking about when I when I say survival instincts. When you restrict your food, your appetite's going to increase. It's just it's just common sense. This is a basic automatic response. I mean, thousands of years ago, a strong appetite during times of famine, it drove our ancestors to hunt and capture food. And today we have the same survival response when we diet. But unlike our ancestors, we don't have to go out and hunt. All the food and all the highly palatable food, like the sugary carbohydrate foods that are so attractive to our survival instincts are all right there. So binge eating is just kind of a natural result of, of dieting. So that's sort of the basic thing that helped me understand that th there was nothing wrong with me from the beginning. I was just, I was a normal, healthy person who dieted and it caused this reaction and for me to binge. Okay, Catherine, you, you, you mentioned that um, the binge urge comes from the primal part of the brain. Um, so what does that yeah. actually mean? I mean, if it's coming from the primal part of the brain, does that mean that our normal, it overrides our t normal thought processes? Does that mean it's more powerful? Does that mean, uh, you mean, what, what, because it's from the primal, um, does that, what does that suggest? Well, yeah. it, it suggests that it's, it's more animalistic. It's more, you know, there, there have been studies that show that the animals will exhibit this behave, same behavior. I mean, rats, if there, there's been rat studies, if they're food deprived, they will binge on, on highly palatable sweet foods. Um, what you talk about a lot in your book is the Minnesota starvation experiment, which shows that normal, healthy people who are food deprived will overeat and will become obsessed with food. And this is just an automatic reaction. And to me, it, it means that it's, it's, not, it's, it's not that it makes you more out of control. It can, it can make you feel like you're more out of control, but you actually have control over it. The, the lower brain regions or the primitive brain regions, are the, it's the older part of the brain. It's the part of the brain most similar to an animal's brain. But, but humans, we have higher capacity than that. We have the ability to control our basic drives and instincts. We have the ability to say no because of the capacity of, of the most recent part of the brain, the human brain, and more specifically, the prefrontal cortex, which is the most evolutionary recent part of the brain. And in my book, I call it 
the highest human brain, and it, it really gives us the ability to say no to things that arise in our lower brain. Is there a point where the primal brain overtakes the human brain? I think it can, and especially if the person doesn't know what's going on, it can make you feel absolutely out of control. I mean, driven to do things that you normally wouldn't do and that you know rationally is not right. I mean, when I woke up and binge for the first time, I knew rationally I didn't want to eat eight bowls of cereal. I mean, I was trying to diet and lose weight. So it definitely can. I didn't understand what was going on. It seemed to just hijack my muscle control and, and just drive me straight to the refrigerator. If you don't know what's going on, that's what's going to happen every time. So, so just through the brain doing its job, um, evolution has designed us in such a way that, you know, if you restrict our food intake, it becomes a primal need to consume food. And mm -hmm. a good analogy that we use in our program too um, is that if you, like a simple one is if you hold your breath, you hold your breath for a couple of minutes, which I'm not suggesting you do right now. But uh, if you do, you know, pretty soon you will start to crave air and it'll start to take over all your thoughts and nothing else will matter in your life. You just want to breathe, breathe, breathe. And it's such a strong, strong, powerful, scary impulse. And the exact same thing happens if you don't drink enough water. You know, give yourself a couple of days or a couple of hours and then a couple of days you'll really become extremely thirsty and that's all you yeah. think about and the exact same thing happens for food, but the only thing is it's it's slower and it happens over a longer period of time. So mm -hmm. I think the cause and effect is hard to identify. It's very easy to know that, okay, I'm holding my breath and that's why I feel this way. And it's also quite easy to know, well, I'm not drinking water, that's why I feel thirsty and, you know, parched. But it's more yeah. difficult to really realize that the reason I'm feeling, you know, emotional, anxious, uh, obsessive of food is because I've been restricting my food intake for the last you know, number of weeks or months because it takes a while for the effects to really kick in. So that's why yeah. I think it's easy for people to then think, well, it must be something else. It must be my upbringing or my genetics or my family or, you know, mm -hmm. can, there's all sorts of things they blame, but they never really, it surprises me so often that they don't ever really um, blame food for mm -hmm. causing these problems. So it looks like um, you've, you've, you've read this book and you've identified that, you know, it's not your fault. You've, you've triggered off uh, your primal brain, which is, causing these massive bend urges. And so you've, I guess that really validated for you that therapy was an approach that's gonna work. Um, mm -hmm. So what happened next once you, you, you came to that conclusion? Um, did you, you mentioned earlier on that you thought the binging was a sort of a habit forming. Um, what was your thoughts on that in terms of the sort of habit of a binge? Yeah, well, let's go back to, you know, it starts with the survival instincts and then it turns into a, a vicious cycle of restricting and purging and then binging and restricting, purging, binging. You know, it, it, the more you purge, restrict after a binge, the more I overexercise, the more I wanted to binge. So it just became a cycle. And eventually in that cycle, I did stop restricting, um, which I think, I think is very important. I think that I, if I would not have stopped restricting, it would have been harder to recover when I eventually did. So I think that's vital and that's what I appreciate a lot about your program is you do harp on teaching people to stop restricting. So I had stopped restricting actually a couple of years before I recovered. Um, and, but in, to me that didn't matter as much because it, it's very, very habit forming. And by the time I had stopped restricting, it was already a very well ingrained habit. I mean, it's binging is, is that survival, you know, meeting your survival needs is, it's very rewarding. It's re reinforcing to the, the lower brain centers. The foods that are eaten in binges that are high in sugar and carbohydrates and fat, 
they change brain chemistry, they create these pleasurable effects that the binge eater really becomes dependent on. And as the lower brain drives the person to binge again and again, the the brain actually changes to accommodate the behavior and the behavior becomes easier and easier to repeat. And then even if in the absence of hunger, some people, it just takes not restricting. Other people, even if they're not restricting, the urges are still there. And that was definitely the case with me because I just felt like it was such a habit after so many years of doing it that the urges continued to come even though I wasn't restricting. Yes. Illusion, because it tells you that bulimia helps you cope, you know? Um, so therapy, in a way, does does feed into that. Um, was it what you were yes, saying? Yes, I, de- I definitely think that, that it does. I mean, I would never have thought my binge eating was a, a way to cope with emotions. I mean, the first time I did it, I didn't think that at all. I mean, it was just, I was starving and I wanted to eat and my body took control and made me eat a lot. And it's only over over time that I I sort of learned that idea. I mean, it's such a mainstream widespread idea that eating disorders aren't about food. And I learned that it it helped me fulfill a, a void in my life or that there was just deeper reasons I was doing it and that it helped me cope. So I I learned to believe that. And that often gave me just the right excuse I needed to go ahead and binge. I mean, I would sort of fight the urges for as long as I could. And then I would remember that, oh, I have a disease or I I do this for a deep reason. And it sort of gave me all the more reason to keep doing it. So, Catherine, this just, this just, I don't know why this happens. But when I first came up with the Blame Me Help Method, it was pretty much exactly the same conclusions you come up with now. It was it's all about the food. The food's causing all these side effects. The research backs it up. And I was like, you know, I tried this method on Ali and Ali recovered and it was fantastic. But I was so nervous about telling other people because I could not understand why everyone, all the therapy and most treatments say it's not about food and they address mm-hmm. your emotions. And I, I still to this day do not understand why that is such a popular concept and theory when there's not that much research backing up that you know no there's i mean there's no proof there's no scientific proof out there that eating disorders are caused from underlying issues there's no proof that eating that solving those issues leads to recovery and that's what it's just so confusing to me how that idea is just out there and there's no scientific proof to back it now i mean eating disorders are just basically they're just starting to be understood in terms of the brain and there's more research there's they're finding more you know brain differences and people with anorexia, bulimia, and I mean, I think, I think that's going to change. I really hope that it's going to change, especially, you know, programs like yours. I mean, that it's really going a long way to, to help change that pers- perspective. I, but I still don't know why that's such a popular theory. I don't know. I mean, that, that theory alone, to me, is one of the main reasons why people suffer for so long. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, if, you, if you knew specifically what was causing the problems, you, you wouldn't have to waste so much time and energy and other therapy and treatments that are not working. Like, I don't want to really this other treatments but for example there's equine therapy where you pay a lot of money to go ride a horse for a week mm-hmm. and sure after the week you feel good about yourself you made friends and you've, you've been out, outside in nature but how is that really going to solve the issue of you know restricting your food intake and food eating bench it's just so not going near the, yeah. the you're still going to get off the horses and you're going to have urges again exactly. Absolutely. what are you going to do about it <laughs> so, I don't know me. so so you've identified that you know it's not a sign of underlying psychological problems or the inability to cope with emotions, um, and this has obviously been a revolution for you or a revelation for you. Uh, what were your next? What did you think next? What what was your steps now to, to address this issue? What did you after learning well, all about I'm, this? 
understand, I mean, understanding my problem that, that it was initiated by my survival instincts, that it had become a terrible habit. There was nothing wrong with me. I mean, and learning also that it came from the primitive brain, that the urges came from the primitive brain gave me basically the key to recovery, which a lot of this came from ideas in, in rational recovery. And um, I suddenly understood that I had power over my urges because they weren't really coming from me. When I say that, I mean that um, me, my true self, re- resides in, in my human brain, in my prefrontal cortex. Mm-hmm. I call my high, highest human brain in my book. And this part of the brain gives us our sense of identity. It gives us consciousness. It gives us our, our ability to reason. And most importantly, it gives us control over our voluntary behavior. So in order to recover, I had to realize that my primitive brain, my lower brain, could, couldn't make me do anything. Um, only I could do something. And I resided in my human brain, not my lower brain. And I controlled my voluntary actions. The only thing my lower brain, lower brain could do was send out urges. But ultimately, I could decide what to do when I had those urges. So that's, that's sort of the understanding that helped me. And, but, once, but once my habit was established, there was really no way just to turn off the urges, just say, okay, I don't want to binge anymore, so brain, please stop pr- producing those urges. That just wasn't going to happen. So the only way to, to do that is well, sorry, to... Catherine, you're cutting out a little bit there. Um, sorry about that. It's okay, I think it's just the connection. Um, so you're saying the, the only way to do that was... To, to, retrain, to retrain my brain, to, to basically undo my habit, I had to stop following my urges to binge. Because when it comes to the brain, what you don't use in your brain, you lose. Not in some metaphorical sense, but in a real way. I mean, the brain, it fuels all the neural connections that, that you use, and the ones you don't, it prunes. So every time I had an urge to binge and didn't follow it, my brain actually weakened my habit so that it disappeared completely. So did you find it difficult to resist the urge to binge when it, when it, when it arose? Because it is an extremely powerful urge. And how were you able to, you know, to not, how were you able to resist the urge to, you know, to binge on food? What were, what were you thinking? And that's a good, yeah, that's, that's a definitely a good question because over, all the years I was bulimic, if someone would have said, okay, just resist the urge and you'll recover, then I would have said, okay, you're crazy because I can't. Because I would, I mean, to resist urges felt like such a impossible task, that, which is why I, I think I fell into the, the idea that it was, had to be become some other reason because I can't resist it otherwise. But it really took a whole change in perspective surrounding the urges. I mean, when I talked about the primitive brain and stuff and realizing that it wasn't coming from me was really... Um, a very important important thing, and I'll, I'll talk about now there that what I address in detail in my book is that there are five basic components which really help me resist following them, the, the urges. And the first one of them is um, I learned to view the urges as what I call in my book as uh, neurological junk, and it it means I quit believing that the urges signal any real need, physical or emotional, and I stopped assigning the urges any value. So just basically viewed them as just junk my brain was producing that I had, you know, it had no significance in my life. Um, second, I separated my highest human brain from the urges, and that's what I've been talking about, realizing that the urges weren't really me. Um, they weren't significant to my, to my true self, to who I believe myself to be. Um, third, I stopped reacting to my urges, which was really important. It means I stopped letting them affect me emotionally. Before I had just got all wrapped up in them. I let my urges make me anxious. I let them make me depressed. 
and stop reacting emotionally means sort of I became I became numb to them. I just was able to let them come and go without focusing on them, without getting all wrapped up in them. And that made them actually pretty tolerable and not, not that hard to resist. Um, and that, that really allowed me to do what I, what I, the fourth step is to stop acting on them. And this was really the cure for my bulimia, um, which was retrain my brain. Like I was talking about before, the more I didn't act on the urges, the more my habit dissipated. And the, the last thing I did was I got very excited every time that I resisted an urge to binge. I mean, this was sort of just a natural reaction, but rejoicing in my success actually helped to speed along the brain changes that erase my bulimia. That's a great idea. I love that. Um, so those, those steps, um, th- th- those five steps, was it? Sorry, four steps? Um, five, yeah. Oh, it was five, sorry. Um, did you come up with a plan? How did you create those steps or what? how did you devise them? Did you write them down well, on paper beforehand? Or? I didn't write them down before I recovered because I read the book and uh, the author of Rational Recovery recommends sort of just a similar thing. You you listen to your brain, but you don't act on it. Mm-hmm. And I went home and I tried this basically the same night that I read the book. And it was just amazing to me that just such a simple change in perspective to view the urges as not really me, that it worked so well. And I mean, after the first time I resisted, I still had my doubts and I still you know, wasn't really sure that this would continue to work, but it did. And the more days went by and the more I was able to change my perspective regarding my urges and, and view them as, as just junk my brain was producing as, as something not in line with myself at all, mm-hmm. that it just got easier and easier. And then after I recovered when I was writing the book, I, you know, this was actually before I was writing the book, but I sort of went through and, and determined what I had exactly done. Cause I always wanted to, to write a book to help others. So I kind of went through and yep, determined yep, that yep. Okay, this is what I did to help me resist them. So you've, you've, you've come up with a system that's obviously seems to work for you and you started planning to your binge urges. Uh, how effective was it? Um, what were the outcomes when you started planning this five step strategy? How long did it take before you noticed the binge urges disappearing? Um, did it take a couple of months, a couple of years? And so, how did the process, how did, plan the process, and what were the effects of it? Um, I, let's see, I stopped, it's like in May of 2005 that I stopped acting on the urges. Um, like maybe two weeks after I started this technique, I binged again. I sort of just, one of the urges just overtook me. And then, a little bit after that, I, I I still don't consider it a true binge, but I kind of, one of the urges got to me a little bit again, and then that was it. So it was wow. you know, July of 2005, and then I didn't, I haven't been since. Um, it took, I mean, I, I would say within the first few weeks of not binging, I definitely could notice a difference. And the mo- important thing I want to say here is that I don't think that would have been possible if I still would have been dieting. I mean, you can't just... Absolutely. Resist urges to binge and still diet and expect them to go absolutely, away. Absolutely. I, really, I, I, don't want, I want to agree with that too. I want to really, really stress that point because this is not a strategy you can use if you're still restricting. Absolutely no. not. So that is that is a key, very important point we really need to address here because I don't think people know I can have my cake and eat it. No, you, if you're still restricting your intake, you will still experience binges and this, this method will not work. Um, so I want to make that very clear as well and very strong. So, and yeah. that's something you agree with, yes? Oh, yes, absolutely. And my, this is not something to, to become a better dieter. I've actually heard from people that seem to be trying to resist the urges 
you know, any urge to break their diet. And that's just not what I'm talking about here at all. I was nourishing my body very well. I mean, I was probably eating 2000, 2000 plus calories for sure. I mean, probably 2300, something like that. I mean, I definitely nourished my body very well. And I don't think the urges would have gone away as quickly. It, it was at, at the, the point I quit, it was a habit for me. Okay, so this system was obviously extremely effective for you. Um, I'm sure you must have went through a, f a fantastic period in your life where you're realizing you're really starting to get the grips with the eating disorder and you know this this mm -hmm. could really work. Um, when did you feel like you were recovered? Was there a um, moment? Well, like, or? like I was saying, after after a few weeks, it, the the binge urges definitely were decreasing. Um, I still had you know pretty frequent urges for the next few months. I would say it took about nine-ish months for it to be completely gone. And it doesn't mean that I was struggling with strong urges for nine months. It just means, you know, I would have thoughts pop up every now and then, like just automatic brain messages that I was able to totally disregard. Um, it just became completely effort. I would say after a few months, it became completely effortless just to listen to my brain and dismiss it. And I, I mean, I would say after a few months that I knew, I mean, I definitely didn't see any reason why I would ever binge it again. That's fantastic. Just because I knew that the urges were the problem, that I always had control of the urges, and there was nothing my, my brain could do to make me stuff myself with large amounts of food again. So what were your thoughts? Did you, did you believe you'd stumbled across something new and exciting and you wanted to share it with everyone? Um, I did. I did. I mean, I had always, I've always liked writing, and I've always promised myself that if I recovered, that this was back when I was in college and struggling, that if I recovered, I would write about it. But I always thought my story would be just like the other ones I've read that, oh, I solved all my problems and now I'm, which is great too. I mean, I just thought my story would be more typical, but because it wasn't, it really gave me more of a, a reason and, and a, a drive to want to write about it. And I started it, I mean, less, less than a year after I recovered, I started taking notes and writing just really, really basic chapters. Um, because I knew I had stumbled across something that I, I had to share with other people. And yes, therapy and, and the other methods of treating bulimia are going to help some people. That's fine. But there are just so many people out there who aren't helped by it that I really felt like it was something I had to write down. And even though it took me a really long time to do it, I'm glad that I stuck with it and finished the book. And that's how I first came across um, you, Catherine, was, you know, on our website. Members of our site were actually had read your book and they were telling me about it, saying, you know, this approach is very similar to our approach. And it, it works really well, and the feedback was just fantastic. So I you know, went on Amazon and purchased it and uh, read your book, and I was just I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, for me, it was amazing because there's just not enough people saying this message. You know that it's a lot to do with food, and and it doesn't necessarily have to relate to your emotions or your well-being you're bringing. And there is a different way of recovering that that actually works and is really effective. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just, I fell in love with it. I thought it was fantastic. I loved your research. I loved, loved your, your system, um, the five steps. And, um, and it was basically the feedback from members on the side too. So they knew that it was really helping them and really was something that they could relate to and understand. And some of them thought it was like the final key to the recovery. Um, it really helped, you know, to solidify and, and make them understand they're blaming a new light. And that could be an extremely, an extremely um, rewarding and powerful thing to realize it's not you, it's not your fault. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you don't need to be beating yourself up for the last, you know, a member of my site just contacted me. They're 
a few weeks ago saying she suffered from bulimia for 30 years and for 30 years she was you know blaming herself and then the realization that it's not her fault um, mm -hmm. it's nothing to do with her at all was just you know such a, such a freedom and such a such relief yeah um, and that's and it's why do people do not have to suffer unnecessarily for such a long period of time if they knew this information and that's when I read your book and I thought this is just just phenomenal and, and it was really great to have another perspective another approach to sort of a similar concept as we have together um, mm -hmm. and so like I've just checked on Amazon again today and the feedback is I think you've got like is it nearly all five star reviews I mean so it's obviously I, I think there's some, there's definitely some four stars in there as well oh well that's but, that's um, okay <laughs> um, but it's, it is it is quite impressive it is very impressive and then obviously the and so it's obviously you, you can see it really is resonating with people and it's having that effect and um literally changing lives yeah um so so tell me your experience with the book so you i know you spent a lot of time in that book and it's very obvious when you're reading it because it's such a level of detail and the research is fantastic so your experiences with writing the book um how did you write it how did it come up I mean, did it take a, how long did it take to finish? And then um, I think you self-published as well, which is which is very impressive. And um, yeah. so can you tell me your experiences since you've written the book and how it went? Yeah, sure. Um, like I said, I began writing it less, less than a year after I recovered. But that was just, it, I mean, it was very, very basic, just taking notes and thinking, just basically dreaming of what it could be if, if I ever decided to, if, if I, not decided to, but if I ever could make it a reality. I mean, it's pretty daunting to think, okay, I'm going to write a book. I mean, where do you even start? And that went on for a while. And I started, so it was in 2006 I started. And I didn't even publish it until late 2010. So it was definitely a long process. Um, during that time, I had my first three kids. So it was definitely, I'd take a lot of time off when they were born. And I only had time to work at night when they were sleeping, when they did sleep. I mean, my kids are terrible sleepers. Um, it just was, it was difficult. Weekends, my husband would take care of them sometimes. And I would go to coffee shops and work. And just something that, a lot of months brought a lot of productivity, a lot of months brought, you know, frustration. Is this ever going to be a reality? But I just kind of kept at it. It was just something I just always thought, I, I have to finish this. I have to finish this. So it took a lot of, I'm definitely a perfectionist, and I definitely could have went on writing for five more years and still not been satisfied with it. But I eventually had to say it's done. It's done. It has to stand as it is. And that was in 2010. And yeah, because I don't have all the credentials and I don't have, I'm not a famous person. And I'm, I, I basically gave up on the idea of getting a, a traditional publisher. So yeah, we just, my husband and I created a, our publishing company and we published the book in 2010. It's been, I mean, I haven't really had as much time to get the word out there as I would like to, because I had another child basically the exact same time that the book came out. So it's basically been word of mouth up until this point. And I've been pretty overwhelmed at the response I've received because, like I said, I haven't been. And I'm just so thankful to everyone who has who has shared it with other people and how many people it's been able to reach and help. And it's just been very, very rewarding to me. Um, and I just want to say as well for for anyone listening, um, I fully recommend your book, and I think it's a great companion piece for our program. Um, we have basically three stages the first stage is you know rebalance your body which is all about addressing your food intake and letting go of that restriction and you know, re and firing up your metabolism and just getting your body the body binge urge gone and mm -hmm. the second phase we have in our program is called diffusing the mind binge urge and it's very closely tied to your concepts and theories about how you know it's not related to emotions and 
it is a sort of a habit and how to steps to break those. Um, but I certainly recommend anyone who's on the Bleeding Help method or is interested in this approach to purchase your book um, because they will really, I think, find a lot of benefit from it. Um, so that's my that's my vouch, definitely, absolutely. Um, so what's what's the next yeah. step for you now, Catherine? You the book I know was successful. I think it's did you? I think it's been the Amazon top ten bestseller in the eating disorder um, category. I know for, the the, kin, the Kindle has. I know the Kindle has. Um, the book we haven't been able to get it really widespread in in paperback version. I mean, it, it <clears throat> it's in some Barnes and Noble, but not not too many. Um, so it's definitely not widespread out there in paperback, but it is on Amazon, and the Kindle version has done has done pretty well. So, so. If people if people want to purchase your book, should they go to Amazon or should they go to your website? Um, a yeah, Amazon probably. And just is. brain over binge. Yeah, my website is brainoverbinge.com. And then just and it is available on my website as well, but okay. on Amazon too. I think we can add a link as well to the bottom of this page too to to purchase it from Amazon as well. So what's next for you, Catherine? Um, your life has changed somewhat after create, publishing this book. Um, do you have future plans? Yes, it has. Um, I, I do. I would like to. I would. I'm first of all. I'm having another child in two months, so you know, kind of <laughs> slow me down number again. Five is it? <laughs> no, it's four. Four. Okay. Four. That's it. I'm done. Um, <laughs> but but um, I definitely want to to be able to get out there more and and help people more. Directly, I, I definitely correspond with a lot of readers. I try to do my best to respond to anyone who contacts me. Um, I've kind of had to put a notice up on my website recently to say that I'm, as I approach the birth of the child, I'm not going to be able to be available as much. But I'd like Absolutely. to get more directly involved with people, and I'd, I'd like to eventually publish an, another book with more input from readers. And I came out with a second program with more input, and I'd like to do sort of similar. Because um, I've had people ask me a lot of questions that I really makes me think that, okay, I could have added this or could have added that. So I definitely like to do another version as quickly as possible, Fantastic. which probably won't be too quickly. With four kids? Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try my best. We have, we have one kid and I think that's, that's a lot. Um, so four, I don't know how you manage with four. Um, yeah. That's fantastic, Catherine. It's really been amazing to, to, to hear your story. Um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will find it very enlightening and um, exciting as well to hear there is a different approach and you know there is a way to recover that, that I think is extremely effective and ties in very closely to the Blame Me Help method as well. Um, just quickly, you've, I know you've read over the Blame Me Help method. Um, what were your thoughts yeah. when, you, when you read our program? Um, because in, obviously you agree with quite a lot of it. but um, Yes, for sure. And I, I love that that it really tackled the teaching people how to eat normally and addressing the weight issue. That was, that's a lot of the questions I get regard that because my book is about, it's really more about the urges and how to resist the urges, but some people need a lot more help in learning how to eat normally again. So they just feel like they don't know how to do that. And for me, that wasn't as big of an issue. I, I sort of knew, I mean, I did go to nutritionists, but I, this, this wasn't when I recovered. This was a long time ago in therapy. But even eating normally for me didn't stop the binge urges. So I think a lot of people just need that help learning how to eat normally so that they can even begin to resist the binge urges. Um, and also the weight. I mean, I think I, I get a lot of questions saying, okay, how do I lose the weight I've gained? Or what's, am I going to gain a ton of weight? And I think you do a really good job of explaining that, no, you're not, recovery is not going to lead your weight to spiral out of control. And you're most likely going to 
stay the same, you might lose weight. I mean, I definitely lost weight once my metabolism regulated and, you know, stop feeding your body with all those calories. I mean, purging, there's no method of purging that gets rid of those calories. So you're, you're going to end up at, at a good weight for you. You're not, you're not going to be out of control. So I think the weight issue and the, the teaching people, people how to eat normally and then the diffusion technique for the urges is, it's definitely just, it's the whole package. I mean, I think that bulimia um, treatment for most people can be simplified into two things. Um, learning how to eat sufficiently so you're not depriving your body. And two, learning how to resist each and every urge to binge. And I think that your method does that. So, Catherine, I just want to thank you very much for taking the time out to talk to us. And I know you're busy with four kids. Uh, it was so great to hear your story. And I'm always happy to support you because I really want to help get that message out there that there is a way to recover that doesn't follow the traditional route but is probably, for I believe, much more effective. 